Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. We have a guest with us today. He's going to be ministering, taking his uh, liberty to speak to us. I'm so excited that they are here. And uh, they have been friends of ours for a very long time. When our family traveled and ministry, did ministry, itinerant ministry as an evangelist for seven years, we often uh, went through their church. I think at uh, one point we like lived at their church in the parking lot. We had a, a fifth wheel travel trailer and we, we just lived there. We set up shop there. They've always been good friends to us. And uh, she as well is not just a friend, she's also family. Uh, she is a cousin, a second cousin, twice removed, once removed, somewhere down the line. But uh, the way that it works out, uh, we're closer in age than she would be to my dad, who she's actually direct cousin with, um, because my dad is really old. And dad, if you're watching, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and she is not. She is not old. Uh, she's young. We're young. We're, we're young. That's right. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> uh, so he's going to take his liberty today. And uh, if this is your first time with us at Branches Church, we're going to have an altar, uh, what we call an altar call. He'll invite us to come up and to pray. And we want you to be a part of that. But if you're a guest, you feel uncomfortable with that, we understand. Um, but church family, why don't we get behind the preaching today, open our hearts and our minds, and get ready to respond to the Word of God, and I feel like God is going to do something in this place today. Amen? If you believe that, would you join with me in prayer as he gets ready to come? Lord, we pray, God, that you would move in this place, open our hearts and our minds to hear. Move on us, God. Change us today. Impact us. Use Dan McClure, God, to speak into our lives what you would have us to hear. In Jesus' name, we give you glory and honor. Amen. Amen. Pastor McClure, come take your liberty and speak to us. Everybody welcome him. Thank you, Pastor Kuhn. And uh, I want to say, first of all, it is an honor. It's an honor any time to just simply be in the house of the Lord. And so, first of all, I must say it's an honor to be in the presence of the Most High God. And it's an honor to be with you good folks here today at Branches Church. I always enjoying uh, seeing new people that I've never seen before worship the same God that I worship. And it's just exciting, and I'm so delighted to be here. And uh, the Coons, uh, they are truly, truly friends. You know, you find out, uh, as one country and western songwriter said, you find out who your friends are. And uh, I have certainly done that over the years, but I have found that Pastor Lane and Sister Shelley Coon are true, genuine friends. They have been friends to my wife and I for many, many years, uh, I was thinking today it's probably between 25 and 30 B.C. And that's not before Christ, that's before children. <laughs> so we've been friends for that long, and uh, they are some of what we call our best friends. So we're excited about being here today, and glad my wife is with me. Uh, I always enjoy having her come with me, and I think I preach a little better when she's here. May not preach as good as she did, but... Maybe I'll do better than what I would have had she not been here. But I'm glad she is here and also another good friend of mine, uh, Brother Mills. You know, 
They say that during your lifetime, if you find three or four good friends, they say that's excellent. If you have four very dear friends in a lifetime, then that's, that's good. And uh, it's, it's just a coincidence. I've got about three Brother and Sister Coon and Brother Mills in this building today with me. They're truly my friends. So I'm excited today about being here. Amen. I want to I turn your attention. One verse of Scripture. It's found in the book of Exodus. And I want to give to you uh, what is on my heart for us today. But first of all, uh, a little context of where I'm reading this Scripture from. Israel has came out of Egypt. And they have been wandering in uh, the wilderness and they are getting ready to begin the building of that Old Testament tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle in the wilderness. They are getting uh, ready to begin building that, and we have this one verse of Scripture. And at first this morning, uh, it may not seem that significant, but hopefully after we realize a little bit more about the context of what's going on, we begin to see the importance of this one scripture. Exodus 24 and verse number 7. And he, and he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, All that the Lord hath said will we do and be obedient. Now that's quite a saying given their prior record. But they said, all that the Lord hath said, we will do it and be obedient. I want to talk to us for just a little bit this morning about the transforming power of serving. I understand that salvation is free. And it's a good thing in my case because obviously uh, I don't have the looks to get in. Uh, I don't have the money to get salvation. So it's a good thing it's free. Uh, I'm not worth much. I'm not worthy of salvation. I don't have the talent. I don't have the ability to merit salvation. Are you glad this morning that salvation's free? You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be worthy. Amen. God gives to us salvation. It is free. Amen. But then, after He gives it to you, Amen, you wake up the next spiritual Monday morning, and although God has freely given you the unworthy, unmerited gift of the Holy Ghost, yet the next morning... The tables of turn you will find out, and it's your time to work. Amen. Uh, that's why the analogies of the Bible that talk to us about working for God and living for God are not compared to an island getaway or a cruise to Spain. But if you'll ever noticed, the, the 
concept of working for and just walking with and just day to day living for God in the Bible is compared to fighting in an army. It's compared to plowing a field. Amen. The Bible says he that put forth his hand to the plow looking back. That's a different subject, but he compares living for God as to work in a plow. Amen. It's awesome. God gives it to us. Uh, but after He gives it to us, Amen, the Holy Ghost, you are going to have to work to keep it. The Holy Ghost needs servicing after God gives it to you. It needs tuning up every once in a while. It needs, like a car needs servicing, it needs some fresh oil. Amen. It needs some, uh, some, some bent, uh, maybe something that's got off track a little bit. It, it needs constant servicing, what we call it. Amen. Now, why? If it's free, why didn't the rest of the experience just seem that way? And this is my point today before I go on. Uh, I think it is because... And the Lord understands that it is in the realm of serving where character is built. It's in the disciplines of serving. Amen. It's in the selflessness of serving. Amen. That we learn, amen, how to be a saint. How to be a Christian. In the day-to-day toils, amen, where I'm going through things and I don't know what to do and I have to get down to pray, amen. It's those times that I pray, amen, make me a prayer warrior. We need the service, amen. The realm of servicing is what builds us. It's what strengthens us. And we see this. Before some time ago, I'd never seen it in the Bible. But when you see it, you start seeing it everywhere. And I noticed this pattern some time ago about how initially it's free. Initially, it's what God does for us. But ultimately, it is what we do for God. Amen? Let me, let me prove to you in Scripture. I'm going to qualify. When Israel leaves Egypt, the first two fights that they fight as a nation that is left out of Egypt, they, the first fight that they fight, they get to the Red Sea. And the Bible says there's a wall on this side, there's a wall on that side, there's a Red Sea in front of them, and Pharaoh's army is behind them. But I want you to notice something. Brother Tech Man, can you get me uh, Exodus 14 and 13? At this first Bible, Our Lady, I'm sorry. I just saw Brother Coon sitting there. I didn't know. He had an iPad in his hands. Sorry. Uh, this first battle, the very first battle that Israel is fixing to have to fight. Watch this. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see 
the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more. Verse number 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall do nothing. You shall hold your peace. That's the first battle that Israel fought. After they as a nation came out of Egypt. They didn't lift a finger. God did it. God bought it. They get through the Red Sea and almost immediately they are attacked by the iconic enemies of God, the Amalekites. But this time, God says, All right, boys. Not helping you with this. This is y'all's. I have the scriptures, but I need to hurry. You read the story, and Moses tells Joshua this time, where he just told him, stand still, don't do nothing, God's got it. Just be quiet. The next time, he tells Joshua, Joshua, choose us out men far to go fight. And they fight. We see no miracles in that battle. The closest thing we get to a miracle is when Moses is standing on the top of Horeb and his hands are held up. They win the battle, but when his hands come down, they lose. But you'll notice it's men that holds Moses' hands up. So the first battle, God did it all by himself. But the second battle... He let them do it completely. It was them. And understand this, that first battle, amen, them crossing the Red Sea is a type, amen, of water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God does that. You can't buy it. You're not worthy. But the second battle, amen, is a representation of after we have came out of sin, just walking and living for God. And if you'll notice, God lets us do that on our own. Initially, it's what God does for us. But ultimately, it's what we do for God. Let me, let me change gears here just a second. If Israel, at, at one certain point in time, let me take, is this all right if I take this? Israel is over and over and over many more times than that accused of one thing more than they are anything else. And it's to the point that they become iconic complainers. You read your Bible, Israel does some complaining. When Moses comes to them and says, hey, God has sent me. We're fixing to go to Pharaoh and we're coming out from Egyptian bondage. They murmured. When Moses brought them out with the help of the Lord, obviously, through the blood of the Passover lamb and, and they come out of Egypt and, and they, before they get to the Red Sea, they look around and they complain. They say, you know, I guess the only reason God brought us out of Egypt is because there's no uh, uh, tombs out here. No, what am I trying to say? Cemeteries, no graveyards, graves. They complain. 
they'd just been brought out of Egyptian bondage. And here they are complaining. Wouldn't it have been better, they said one time, if we would have stayed in Egypt than to die in this desert? God, with a mighty hand, brought them out. And they're complaining. And brother, you, you keep on reading their story. And that's all. They cross over the Red Sea. And they get hungry. And guess what they do? They gripe and they complain. I guess God brought us out of here to kill us with hunger. God feeds them, but a little too much. Guess what they do? They gripe and complain. And so then after they eat some salty quail, they wanted some to drink and they were thirsty and they tasted of the waters of Mara and they tasted bitter. So guess what they did? They murmured and they complained and they griped. And this is their story. When, when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to receive the law, you know what they're back home doing? They are complaining. They say, we don't know what happened to this man, Moses. He's left us here to die. And they write and they murmur and complain in so much that God says, hey, Moses, step back and let me just take them out with a fireball. Moses said, no, no, no. But they are the gripingest. Everybody looks straight ahead. They are the gripingest, aggravatingest. Until a particular time. They complain, they complain, and they complain and complain. Until one day there's a line drawn in sand. The book of Exodus, and a lot of people call it the books of the coming out, but the... the uh, Orthodox Jews actually call it the birth of a nation because, yeah, they left Egypt, but they were going to build Israel. And the book of Exodus is 40 chapters long. If you split right in the middle, chapter 20, and you study from chapter 1 of Exodus to chapter 20 of Exodus, you'll read all those things I just went through, all that complaining, murmuring, griping, and all that complaining until you get until about Exodus 20, 21. And God says, all right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a tabernacle. I read you the text from right in that area where the transition is. And they say, well, all right. And for the next... 20 chapters of Exodus. You check me out when you get home this afternoon. After the people begin to serve, and after the men and women started working together, the women started bringing material and working with one another. They got the kids involved in bringing rocks and stones. And everybody was just working. The men were hewing out wood. They were packing stones. They was mixing mortar. And people was bringing gold and silver and jewels and, and stones. And what was so, and that's about 20 chapters, what's so, what's the deal there? The deal is you won't find one place when they started working in the church 
them murmuring, them complaining, them second-guessing God any. From Exodus 20 to the end of it. Why, why is that so great? Amen. What's, what's the deal there? Because I'm going to tell you again. Amen. Initially, amen, it's what God does for us. But ultimately, where we get, amen, our purpose as a church, ultimately, it's when we start serving God. Amen. When we start serving God, then we can start growing a church. Amen. When we start serving God in unity, and I'm not trying to outdo Him, I'm not trying to show Him up, but as a church, amen, when we start serving God, amen. That's when things will turn around. That's when, that's when this church will be revolutionized. We can't earn salvation. God gives it to us. But again, to keep it, we have to maintain it. We have to work at it. It's a job. It's compared to plowing. It's compared to fighting in an army. It's, con it's compared to taking a long journey, walking, uh, a fisherman, fishing. for it It's a job, living for God. But I want us to understand today that it's during that realm of just day-to-day -day living for God, amen, is where we learn how to grow to be a Christian. Amen. Those things that we face day-to-day, that we, that we had to say, God, I, I, gotta, I need you to forgive me. I, I need to pray about this. And it keeps you, amen, on, on your prayer knees and keeps you in your prayer closet. Amen. It's those types of things that build a church. When you are walking with God and, you've, and you fell flat on your face, you've messed up. And you come back to the church and you say, God, I need some mercy. I'm sorry, God, I have messed up. That's when you learn, amen, how to give other people mercy. Amen. That's when you learn how to grow in God. That's when you learn how to build a church. Amen. Initially, it's what God does for us. But ultimately, it's going to be what we do for God. Amen. Working, serving in the church. Uh, well, that's what help I take the lid off of this kind of discredits about everything you say when you say it all and try to drink out of a bottle with the lids on. And I know we have to be saved. But I want to remind you, and I, I'm, I'm, I understand the time, and I'm not too far from quitting. We have to be saved. But there's a parable in the New Testament, and, and, and I'll hurry and what it's about, it's, it's Jesus is giving this parable, and he's dividing the sheep from the goats. And the goats, obviously, are going to a lake of fire to spend an eternity there. And the sheep, they're going to inherit uh, the kingdom of God, and they're going to sit down at the right hand of God. And so the sheep are saved, the goats are lost eternally, and they ask him why. Now, there's a lot more specifics in this, but I'm just skimming it. And when Jesus answers them why, here's the why. Because he says, well, the goats, when people were hungry and people were naked and cold and thirsty and sick, 
when people needed ministering to, when people needed serving, you didn't serve them. Am I right? That's what he said. He didn't talk about how much you shouted in church or how much you spoke in tongues or how much you've read your Bible this week. But have you served someone that needs serving? Well, even the lambs didn't understand it. They asked, well, why did we? He said, well, because when there was people hurting, you went to them. When there was people hungry, you fed them. When people were cold, you clothed them. When they were sick amen, and shut in, you went and you visited them. Not you read your Bible through. The, you give this much money to the church. You wore this type of clothes into the church. You sat here in the... No. You ministered. You served people. That, that's really mind-blowing, folks. You served. You look at the life of Joseph. Joseph of the Old Testament. If there was ever a man that had, I would give him a pass to be bitter, it would be Joseph. Didn't do anything wrong. His brothers lied about him, sold him into uh, Egypt. Finally, he winds up uh, in prison for 14 years for a crime he didn't commit. But the Bible says after 14 years... When the Bible talks about Joseph, it says this. Not that he was in a corner mad about his situation and bitter. But the Bible said everything that was done in the prison, Joseph was the doer of it. About that time, these officers of Pharaoh had these dreams. You know the story. They came down. They asked Joseph. They called him the Israelite, the Hebrew servant, they called him. And so they tell him their story. Joseph interprets the dreams. It comes true. One of them is beheaded. One of them is restored. He tells the one that is restored. He said, just do me a favor. He said, when you get back in the king's house, you just remind him of this servant. Well, he goes back to the king's palace and he begins to serve the king, but he forgets about Joseph for about 13 more years. A total of 20-something years. There's different thoughts on that, but around 20, from 21 to 27 years. Something like that. And now Joseph has been in prison for 20-something years. And Pharaoh has a dream. He can't find anybody to interpret it. And so the man that was in prison said, My faults are before me this day. My sin is my own. And he says, I remember a Hebrew servant about 14 years ago that told me my dreams. And so they send for him. And when they come in, I want you to understand, you've read over that, I've read over it, it hadn't made a whole lot of sense. But when he told him, he said, who is it? He said, he's a servant. An Hebrew servant. He doesn't say he's Joseph. 
He's a Hebrew servant. If Joseph during that 20-something years would have got mad about life and got, and got bitter in his heart and said, you know what, I give up. And sat over in a corner and had him a pity party. When they come in looking for the servant, nobody would have knew who he was. Who are you here for? Well, there's a, there's a servant here. Here? No. But because Joseph had decided serving, amen, is where the success is at. Amen. He served for 14 more years. They busted through the doors one day. Where's the servant? That's all they had to say. They didn't even call his name. Where's the servant? As soon as they said it. Oh, the servant. We know who you're talking about. And they go get Joseph. Because he has the identity of a servant. Amen. You say, why is that important to us today, Brother McClure? I'll tell you. Because when the trumpet sounds and God gets ready to come back after His church, He's not going to say, well done, thou good and CEO. Thou good and faithful, amen, boss. Thou good and faithful doctor. But He's going to say, thou good and faithful servant. I wish you'd lift your hands right now and pray, God, give me that servant spirit. He made himself of no reputation. God thought it not robbery to be equal with him. So he made himself of no reputation and took on himself. How many of you want to be like Jesus? The Bible said that he took up on himself the form of a servant. You want to be more like Christ today? Amen. Then lift your hands and say, God, give me a spirit of a servant. I wish you'd stand this morning. I read this scripture. I found it this morning in the lobby of the hotel. And after this was on my mind, this scripture made more sense to me than it ever has made. When I read in Isaiah 40, where Isaiah said, For they that wait upon the Lord, now, you understand he's not talking about, as Moses said, y'all wait and stand still. No. But that word wait is like a waiter does at a restaurant. You know what a waiter does at a restaurant? He serves. Can I, can I help you? Can I get you something? Do you need anything? That's what a waiter does. Do you need anything? I'm praying for you. I want you to make it. I know you're going through a lot, but I'm, I got you back. They that wait or serve the Lord shall not, shall renew his strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm closing. I'm done. I'm, I'm going to shut my stuff up. But let me say this. There was a woman had an infirmity in her body and she was coming to Jesus and I don't know if you've ever noticed this I noticed this some time ago I've read in the Bible many, many, many many times where the Bible says Jesus touched them and they were healed Jesus touched them and they were ministered to Jesus touched them amen, and they were restored but then we find this story one day and Jesus is walking and this lady 
And he turns around and for the first time I find it in the Bible, the only time Jesus said, wait a minute, somebody touched me. I've touched a lot of people, but this is different. Somebody touched me. And I just, forgot, I just began to wonder, what if... Instead of the way we come to service so many times, God, I need you to touch me. I need you to help me. I need this in my life. I need help here. What if we, Branches Church this morning, would come and say, God, I don't need anything. I don't need you to touch me. I'm not asking for you to help. I want to touch Him. I want to serve Him today. Come on, if you're comfortable with coming to this front, I wonder if you'd come this morning. God, give me that spirit of a servant, God. Give me the spirit to serve God. I'm not asking for anything, God. I want to touch you. I want to worship you. I want to praise you today, God. Come on, would you help me do that for just a few minutes? Let's wait upon the Lord. Let's serve the Lord for just a minute. You say, how do we serve Him? We lift up the sacrifice of praise. We lift up the calves of our lips. We offer unto Him thanksgiving. We enter into His courts with praise and to His gates with thanksgiving. We magnify His name. Come on, let's serve Him with gladness today.